0: Hello and welcome back to ThickCast and today I am joined with someone that I call Mr Porridge but you might know him as well. Hello Will how are you?
1: I am good thank you Molly. I am doing very well. My stress levels all things considered are low for me. I'm in between moving jobs and I'm just sort of working down the old notice period um, so stress is low. Mood is high. Is your job
0: like um, I don't know professional as you kept telling me earlier. So, <laughs> My job
1: is professional.
0: <laughs> and mine apparently is not. No, um, I did not say yours is not professional.
1: You <laughs> just asked me about the photo when I joined Zoom. You said that's very professional. I said I have the professional job. Do
0: you know what? I really hope <laughs> at some point that comes up on this video and then I can screenshot it and then I can just plaster it everywhere for your birthday or something. <laughs> If you want to know what Will will look like in about 40 years' time, just look on his profile in at Zoom.
1: I mean, to be honest, you can find me on LinkedIn. I think it's my LinkedIn profile picture. Um, that's
0: an awful decision.
1: <laughs> but yes, no, I do, do have a very yeah, serious and quite boring job. So.
0: Yeah, do you not have to work garden leave?
1: Uh, yeah, well, no, that's what I'm doing. I mean, traditionally, you wouldn't work garden leave. But um, I'm working on a client that needs me right up to the very last day, my very last day, which is Friday, to be on hand. Um, so I am technically kind of working it, yeah. Um, <laughs> annoyingly, it would be quite nice to have had a you know, the last six weeks just off doing that thing, but have been working.
0: Yeah, that's what my housemate did. I think she had about a six weeks garden leave. And then she literally just did nothing. It was
1: great. I know. That's, that's what you normally meant to be doing. You're meant to be sort of excommunicated from your, you know, to, all to do with the sort of competitor insights and you know all of the knowledge and things of the market but <laughs> yeah I had to work it because I was bringing in revenue right till my last day on Friday so um, very frustrating but it's good as I said stress low because you don't really care about the outcome of a lot of things that I'm invested in <laughs> <laughs> So
0: apart from obviously being apparently a professional you have competed a couple times, did not talk a little bit about that to us?
1: Yes so um, I, I as, as we said, I work a job with fairly savagely long hours of work in investment management. Um, and I am not a typical bodybuilder, <laughs> as, as you, uh, you and I have discussed many times. Um, I, yeah, as I said, I, I, I trained for like, what's oh my God, I'm 32. That's so depressing. Um, <laughs> so I've been training for like the last 16 years. Um, took it really seriously after I stopped playing rugby back in the day say really seriously just as serious as one can take a hobby and um never competed until I was uh, 30 and COVID hit because it was the first time that I could actually like control my diet right through to the tail end of a prep because when you're in the office and working stuff it's impossibly hard sometimes and you've got client things and um so I locked it down and I did the first competition <laughs> which was um a real eye-opening experience but uh, learned a lot made a load of friends along the way you being one of them Molly yeah um Really immerse myself into the industry, which is just so beautifully collegiate and open and warm and um, loads of great people. And yeah, and a lot about my body, more about brain, which is something I know we're going to talk about, and a load of other good stuff, which has, has complemented my. Own fitness journey and learning and things. So yeah, and despite finding that very first prep I did last year absolutely savage and saying after I finished it, I will never categorically, I will never compete again. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, never no, put myself like, through.
0: Oh yeah, no, I'm not going to do this again. And then you're like, oh yeah, no, I might try and go get a pro card next year. All <laughs> like, oh, right, okay, but if you're not if you're not going to compete, you kind of have to do the whole like competing thing to get a pro card.
1: <laughs> I know well, look. I, I the, the post show, I'm sure we can talk about this. Post show is a real minefield in terms of mental health and thought and direction that you want to take for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um yeah. but Uh, particularly after your first show right when you don't you haven't lived and breathed that experience you don't know what you know the the kind of mental turmoil you're about to walk into Um, and so I I went I went through lots of different emotions and lots of different directions and challenges (laughs) and things in that period but I came out of it after everything had simmered down saying you know looking back on that now COVID had sort of dissipated or at least we're going back to normal I was going back to the office I was like I'm just not going to have the ability to do this again given you know when you're working 12, 13, 14 hour days in the office and travelling it's just like impossible to even think about you know I mean I can meal prep and stuff you know or eat healthy right but but you just actually get particularly doing a prep where you're like the last six weeks you know you're a zombie I just I wouldn't yeah. be able to cognitively perform to be able to do my job yeah, So that's
0: probably the biggest thing for you is, is... yeah Hey, I got to point my I was a zombie and at one point my manager
1: just went, Do you want to go for a nap? And I was like, Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. <laughs> Well, look, and, the, and the, we're going to talk about my two-week prep. That the the the, the prep, I mean, doing it this time was with me jumping on an opportune moment where um I'd I'd been to be honest, <laughs> it's quite funny actually. So I gave up, gave up in inverted commas competitive bodybuilding in like March. We're in a period of literally just sort of getting by like yeah. training maybe four or five times okay i'm always going to train you know we all love going to the gym right people in this industry so they never really sort of kicked that but it was never the priority It went down to sort of eating three meals a day didn't track a single calorie and continued that and just summer came along i had a big work trip to mick and Alston, and i was thinking oh, i might get in shape for that because lots of people are expecting me to be in shape to see my my porridge account <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so i just started
0: a professional account as well Not a professional. <laughs>
1: account, no. I've, just got, I've got a personal one I've had for ages I just set up the porridge one for like a fitness stuff um and then I tried to hide it from my work colleagues but obviously they found out because yeah it's a small world um and so it's so like I it was quite strange because I was like right I'm in diet I'm going to sort of try and get just tidy up a bit right I didn't I still didn't track anything and I went and I just moved more because it was summer. I'd get out, do more steps, and just just walked it you know would walk when I could have driven and all that stuff. And then dropped a load of weight <laughs> to make an ass. And I was like, I'm pretty lean here, um, you know, without really trying. I mean, I'm not being sort of you know arrogant with that. It was genuinely I wasn't really putting everything into it. I was just moving more, a lot more. But like you know, it wasn't doing anything with the food. And then that came in the period where I handed my notice in. I had sort of like a six week period where I knew I was going to be taking a foot off the gas at work. <laughs> and a um, few people in my, you know, the physique collective group were like, you know, you could jump into a show and <laughs> I started toying with it. And, and I was like, no, I don't want to put myself there mentally, but I was in a really good place. Anyway, I, I it was the day of the day of the queen's funeral. And I was thinking, oh, could I do it? Cause I'm going away on holiday in like a week. And I was like, could I get one in before then? And I, and I had a look and it was the compact classic and I was like oh it's jazz's show and I was yeah. like of all as the one show I did last year I was like bloody nostalgia kicking in and I was
0: like was show as well, last year."
1: I did a two bros one after the compact but I really hated that to be honest the whole experience of it for a number of reasons terribly ran oh just did it the day after the compact I just felt awful so I've written that out of mind <laughs> um, and so I, I it was literally two weeks out I mean that, so that was a Tuesday and the show was the following Saturday. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even a full two weeks. It's like 12 days or whatever. I text Joe, I was like, what are your thoughts on the combat? He's like, yes, let's do it. Let me peek here. And uh, yeah, I dropped £20 in 12 days, genuinely. £19 it was on scale weight. That's 240 240 to 221 um, Yeah. And obviously that's not, you know, body fat, right? That's glycogen, water yeah lots of other stuff I mean there's probably a few pounds of fat that's come off that because I pushed really hard but uh yeah it was a lot of fun I absolutely loved it and, and and when I saw you on the day before like the whole thing was totally different this time around I was yeah. absolutely buzzing you know I was in a really good place mentally didn't feel didn't have those prep days I mean I did have a couple but right but you know they, they weren't like every single day you would wake up and you just feel like did you didn't have the energy to go and you know um get out of bed but,
0: and I think as well, it was a bit, because I think you'd messaged me and you were like, are you going to the compact? I said, yeah. So, said, oh yeah, I'll see you there. I said, "Oh, are you going up? She said, yeah, yeah. I think I said something like, "I'll oh, bring the dog. I want to meet your dog. And then Jazz said to me, literally at the registration, oh, I've got a surprise for you. And I said, oh, what? And she said, oh, Will's at mine. And I said, like, what? Yeah, he's competing. So, and you were there.
1: Oh, well, Indeed. And I competed um which was which was fun it was it surprised a few people, which is good um I, I well, I definitely got it too bad for a two week prep, I was quite happy with it. I was really pleased myself you didn't
0: second didn't
1: you I did yeah, yeah, in, in mens physique, um which is not I'm, not I'm still not sure if that was the right class for me <laughs> I don't, who knows um You're
0: very, very tall, aren't you,
1: yeah egregiously tall it's annoying like, like
0: yeah you know, listening so they can work out in their heads. because i just wow. know you are I've you.
1: <laughs> All i'm six foot five but when i was when i was um put on the the measurements in the in the com for, for the compact i was only six four and it turns out when you're dehydrated you're uh you, you basically shrink something to do with the fluid loss in your spine right so so I actually shrunk by an over
0: He was in Telford and I'd not seen him for months. And he was always like tall. Well, not tall, but like six foot. But then when we were, like when he was next to me, I said, like, I know you shrunk like this way, like, because you've not got any fat on you. But like, he was shorter. And I got a photo of us stood next to each other. And a photo of us stood next to each other and showed it. And I was like, you are literally, like, you have shrunk. And we were trying to work up ages if this was a thing or not. And it is definitely um.
1: Well, it is a thing. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know about, you know, materially shrinking, like, three, four inches, but you can You definitely, when you're dehydrated, being one of the mechanisms there, you, you do lose, you know, um, fluid in your spinal cord or whatever. And, yeah. Like
0: the bottom of your feet, things like that as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, people, <laughs> I maybe
0: people shrink a shoe size on Pratt. Uh,
1: yeah. Do they shrink a shoe size? What, because of the fat on the feet?
0: Off season, I can't wear certain heels because I've got really big, really fat feet. Right, my feet don't belong on me. They probably wouldn't be more suited to you. <laughs> so, they probably be. so I can't. Well, I can just about now because I'm not too off season at the moment. I can wear my cocktails now, but when I'm like big off season, my feet don't fit in them.
1: Really, they, I mean, well, nice. that, a lot that would be water retention because because you do tend to store like water in your around your ankles and your feet you've seen people you've seen guys that do that well presumably it might happen to, to females as well but particularly guys that take diuretics as well um during the show and then electrolyte obviously they're really lean their electrolyte balance is messed up and they they binge post show and they get these like pitted edemas in their ankles and their feet and they get all this water retention I did honestly if you see the photo,
0: show really, really bad i've watched it from it.
1: Yeah, the, I've seen, seen literally photos of guys not being able to get in their like, flip-flops. <laughs> it's so gross.
0: Yeah, my legs were bad. I used to come home and like just roll onto my bed, and then I was like, done. <laughs> <laughs> That's done.
1: How it did you... Bad. Well, because I remember we had uh, a couple of conversations after the last show, and you were struggling a bit. How did you find that? Because I... I don't remember doing a podcast with Jazz this time. Well, so this time last year, after the show last year, about how the struggles, and uh, I know you'd been through a few.
0: I you... horrendous. Yeah. I remember ringing Vaughan. I said, I'm never doing this again. I was like, why? I was like, I can't, I couldn't stop crying. I didn't speak about it too much at the time because I think I was so just depressed. I remember going around my mates and she, because she's spoken to me and she was like, come around. She's like, I don't want you on your own. And I remember going to her house and I just laid on her bed and I cried and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't know. But I just cried and cried and cried for weeks. So I was just an absolute mess. And yeah, my legs were really bad. Uh, the water retention, my legs was horrendous. I don't know whether it's something to do with my hormones. I think maybe I had some sort of hormone imbalance because I was like a pregnant person, like just crying for no reason. You know, I remember when my best mate was pregnant and she couldn't find the right cookies in the shop, so she started crying.
1: Like it was like that. this, so, so, it's a very good point, right? And I know we're going to have a conversation about some of this stuff. We talk, you know, we're planning to have a conversation about some of this stuff. But there's, there's, there's very good, very strong physiological and obviously psychological evidence as to why you might be depressed post-show. And it's really, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, people, are, you know, people do the show and then they they stop and like coaches, you know, they sorry they stop with their coach and they don't get guidance through that period or coaches don't prepare. The athletes for what's the compost show because everyone thinks that you know the hardest bits getting ready for the show and the dig and stuff and to, in some ways it is because f- physiologically in terms of you pushing your body but psychologically after the show it's a real mental game and the re one of the biggest reasons why <clears throat> there's, there's a really good um book called the dark side of going for gold because there's lots of Um, quite profound studies on like Olympic Mm -hmm. gold medal winners and things that suffer with depression and things after they've competed Um, but from a neurotransmitter point of view you're really susceptible to to depression right feeling low and I actually got it even after even knowing what I was walking into and knowing the kind of neuroscience behind why I might feel that way I still got that post competitive depression for like i felt melancholy <laughs> this is quite a strange word for like two weeks and i couldn't well, i knew why but i couldn't really describe it or
0: this one's yeah. on your first shows
1: well well both i mean the first time horrendous but went through a number of things then. But, but, the, but even this time when I felt really good going into the show and really stable in terms of lot everything couldn't have been a better position I still still felt a bit low and got the blues right yeah. and, 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 and the fundamental neuroscience as to why you'd be susceptible to this is because when you, are, when you have such a goal like competing right <clears throat> and it can be anything right so this, this is why Olympic medal winners get it because it's the same goal for them you are You'll, you, you hopefully, and hopefully the listeners have heard of a neurotransmitter called dopamine. It's for me, it's the most fascinating chemical in your body. It controls your personality in ways you would not believe. It can, it can, it can prolifically change people's behaviour, personalities, etc. It's the most powerful chemical in your body, I believe, um particularly for driving actions. Right, it's a molecule of more. It, 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 it's what what people gives people drive motivation to go and do something so when you have a big goal like a you know a competition people get laser focus on everything into put every ounce of their energy and being into you're getting this like massive sort of these massive dopamine spikes in in terms of you progressing towards that goal So why you see people becoming well you talked about we talked about addiction (laughs) It, 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 it can genuinely be i i think addictive like competing going some for something like a competition you see it in people's behavior they suddenly become like if 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 we're taking the if we're taking the dictionary definition of, of addiction right, which is a progressive narrowing of things we enjoy, you know, you stop you you know when you're comp- you know when you're competing, you start cutting out everything. You see it, people like they'll just do their cardio, eat their food, obsessed with their routine, and, and that's all they'll do to the minute every day, and. You know, they they every <laughs> minute they're watching bodybuilding content, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera, and they have no, they close out everything, right? Yeah. And and yeah. W- whether that's right or wrong, I think you need to do that to compete. But but it's because of dopamine driving that behavior. And you see other things that <laughs> you know because you're elevating dopamine so high. You see other things that people do to when when they're getting these lows, like prep spending, right? That's because you're trying to yeah. elevate your dopamine because you're raising your base level of yeah. dopamine. Yeah.
0: Oh no, maybe I did.
1: And, and there's, other, there's all of these other dopamine-driven behaviours like people vaping now and smoking. These are all because you're fundamentally sort of <laughs> superficially elevating your baseline data, uh, baseline of dopamine or what's, what's called your phasic levels. You've got a tonic level, which is your sort of baseline level, but you have these phasic peaks and you're constantly elevating your phasic peaks dri- driving toward this goal, right? So the, the, the end product of all of that is a super elevated <laughs> dopamine state in, in working towards that competition, and of course, when that you, you get past it, right, what happens? we <laughs> I mean, dropped off a cliff. Um, firstly, that I mean, that is a come down of any sort, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the same with any narcotic drug. It's the same with anything. You, when you've had a high, you know, just just even returning to your normal baseline, that's going to feel like a come down because you don't have that elevated status. Yeah. In addition to that, dopamine um, suppresses another. Uh, chemical in your body called prolactin and high levels of prolactin are associated with depression (laughs) Um, so when you get this big drop off in dopamine your prolactin levels go up and you can get depressed it's it's it is the fundamental cause of um, postnatal depression in women so when women are feeling depressed after the given birth it's because they're anticipating the you know there's this big goal of giving birth and it happens and then all of the neurotransmitters are out of whack and
0: oh yeah
1: dopamine drops uh, uh, prolactin goes up and and they get depressed they get depressed <laughs> so it's uh, it's 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 so you're in this super susceptible state right and that's just from a, a, a chemical from a physiological perspective there's a psychological aspect to it too like people feeling lost you know they could work so hard on that like what's next so you left with all these unanswered questions I mean for me I found one of the biggest struggles was attachment to condition because for me I was I think I was ultimately getting the the reward the release of dopamine from checking my condition I've still got abs still look great and I couldn't and I remember working with Joe after he kept me like, you know not gaining weight not gaining weight and I was I was under eating to be brutally honest. I was, I was sort of a tell him after the fact, but not massively. I was still trying to eat because obviously you want food at that point. But yeah. my body weight just stayed the same. You're in this really unhealthy post show condition for, for ages, and people either go two ways. They go, my they will go straight for the food, and That's they'll binge. Which, which is which is because I, again coming back to dopamine, I believe you because you've restricted it for so long, and it's something that you enjoy. You, you attach this sort of dopamine release to the food, so it makes you crave that food. Yeah. Or you, like me, and it's happened again, is to the condition where you're like, you're getting that release of dopamine and the feel good chemicals from from being in condition, staying in shape. So I find you people go two ways. Either one, they'll go in that binge and they'll get really big. You know, they'll put on way too much body fat too quickly, or they'll do what I did did last time and I'm doing now, which is trying to stay in stage condition and prolonging that period of being unhealthy. Um, and having low energy, et cetera. So I guess it's, it's not good. It's a real well, matter.
0: This might be slightly different between men and women because actually, as a woman myself, and as a lot of the girls I wow. as about, they actually don't like being stage lean because you're not, you don't feel, Why well, I say that some girls do really struggle as well, but then you don't feel very feminine to me. I'm like, I just look like a little boy. I don't look like a woman. Whereas mm. for men, mm. I feel men feel they look better stage lean. Anyway,
1: well, d- d- definitely. I, I, to be honest, I can't comment on females because <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's it's difficult from my, my position. But I can see it. Like I can see either case there. But I could tell you categorically, ninety nine percent of guys would would prefer to be in stage condition. And look, I know lots of people are excited to get into their off season and grow, and there's all the great things that coming with that. And if you can pivot that goal over to performance in the gym and putting on muscle tissue and all that good stuff then then, then great and and, Mm. you know um, good on you because that's the right mentality to be in but well the best mentality is getting healthy as quickly as possible which is just a level of body fat where you're going to get basic hormonal function back your sleep's going to restore etc but um but but I don't know one guy <laughs> on the planet that would say if you could have all of that and stay in stage condition. What would you take? They'd all be like, "Well, I'd love to be in stage condition year round and function like a normal human being and be able to progress and have muscle, etc." But yeah. it's just not possible. You, you know, as we know, you can't do both. And um,
0: I think as well, yeah. I had this like obsession with feeling normal again, and like this obsession mm. I to get my period back, and it, it was like this obsession that I didn't care that I was binging because all I thought about was, well, it would make me feel normal again. I'll have my period back and I'll be healthy again, which mm. really wasn't quite right, because although it did come back quite quickly and then I did start to feel normal again, putting on that amount of weight that quickly probably wasn't the healthiest thing I've ever done in my life.
1: <laughs> but arguably, in some ways, it would have been better, right, because you're getting that homeostasis back in terms of your health and your hormones yeah. and, you know, period coming back etc which is which is good but you know the problem that came with that for you is obviously the, the, the relationship with food right and it's again it's yeah. the other part of yeah. prep that that we don't talk about that openly it's people's problems and you know an attitude with food it's like so many underlying mental health issues and food relationship with food is definitely one of them i mean e- even i've I've dieted now i've obviously only done two two, two or three competitions and prep properly twice but I've dieted for like years right I've done the hardcore diet and early on you know I did it all right I did the I was literally like <laughs> squirting you know the, the sugar free syrup to my mouth doing everything under the sun like eating putting food in my mouth chewing it spitting out like, like horrible stuff and yeah. and um it get, does get well it does it gets better right so each time you yeah. do it yeah you're <laughs> <laughs> spitting your food out well, you have, have a bit of chocolate and you just chew it and then spit it out so you like got the taste i mean they're talking years ago right <laughs> um but uh yeah i've been to it all and i've got to the point now where i, I, I don't have my food relationship with food is i'd say as good as it can be for a bodybuilder normally right as in very low food focus all throughout prep and none no craving whatever but even me with all that experience and the position i've got myself in I'm pretty lucky because I have had food problems you know I've just sort of <laughs> gone through the the battle scars and experience of overcoming them to some degree um I even as I said I had a <laughs> my story the other day I had an uncontrollable food bench the other day it was Friday when we, yeah. um yeah. Catherine and I went out for a Chinese we had um I, like it was a free meal in my mind, right? So I'd already eaten probably two thousand calories worth, like a shitload of Chinese, right? Like three, 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 four, like meals. <laughs> I came back and it's like something.
0: Not overeat though, so never beat yourself up for that because that's just standard Chinese.
1: Well, no, yeah, obviously, no, I'd planned that. I was fine, like I, it was, yeah, that was in the plan. <laughs> I wanted to eat that, and then I came back. I was like, oh. You know, because I've you know had I just have half something from the freezer, and literally I something triggered, which and I before I knew it, literally in the space of thirty minutes, I'd eaten two cookie dealer cookies, a whole box of arrival brownies that my mum had got me from a birthday, that was in the freezer, another bakery treat, half a big bar of chocolate, and then I sort of like came round, and I was on my second bowl of cream cereal, (laughs) and I was literally shaking. And I was like, well, what on earth just happened? It's like, honestly, it's like, almost like a blackout. <laughs> just like, um, and, and I mean, I, I understand why that, you know, that, that happened to me. And, but even, you know, so say someone with no food cravings or been if, like, if that can happen to me, I mean, imagine how susceptible people are that have never experienced, you know, their hunger hormones being out of whack, like, their cravings and their neurotransmitters being out of sync. Ch- it's a real minefield.
0: And I think as well, the the big thing, and I messaged you about it, didn't I? And I'm saying that what you see is a lot of coaches, you say to your coach, like, oh, my God, this has happened. And they go, well, clearly you just don't want it enough and you cheated on your diet. And it's not that. And I think we really need to come away from any form of mentality like that because it's not helpful and it's not solving the issue because the issue isn't that you don't want it enough or you're not even going to go on stage well, I don't know, I don't know what you're like, you might turn around to me and be like, I'll see you at finals, <laughs> see you at finals at weekend, Mo. you probably could do it. Um, but you know, you're not, you're not in that position, but it, it, it's still, I think it's really harmful to say that to people because it then creates even worse relationship with food in their heads by saying that it was their fault. And it's kind of like, I mean, there is times you eat off plan that it is your fault and it's your choice that you've done that. But actually, these cravings and binges, and you're going to explain it in the sciencey bit now, aren't really your fault. It's of course they're not your brain.
1: Again, it's it's back. There's, there's there's a number of things at play. I mean, you know, there's there's the hunger signalling which is off when you're that lean, and you know, you're collecting and ghrelin's all out of whack, and you're just yeah. You know, you, the, the normal sort of signals that you're full are, are sort of switched off <laughs> to some degree or you know and, and, and you get the, the massive hunger right and, and you know I, even me eating the amount of food I can normally eat, I'm still hungry quite a lot of the time there's also the craving side, like as we said which is different which is the you know neurotransmitters and, and the way that the brain's wired um, and, and it's literally I mean me and my, my craving I could tell you it was it was it was because I'd got this massive surge Again, in dopamine, right? It's the same in that pathway, that mesolimbic reward pathway that you get that, 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 that lights up when you're getting that sort of release of dopamine from an activity is the same as any addiction. It's the same as drugs. People are addicted to gambling, to cigarettes. It's the same. So when people say that like sugar is is like drugs, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that. In a normal day to day setting, not quite not quite comparable. But but in that situation, it's the, it's literally the same neural pathways and neurons firing in your brain <laughs> that, that is that like when a drug addict that needs the next hit
0: yeah i guess it's like you're trying to save yourself though because you know if we were still living out in the wild and neanderthals then being as lean as you are on stage you i mean you're not going to survive very long are you it's <laughs> like fucking freezing all the time even on the hottest day of the year oh,
1: i'm even i'm cold at the moment i'm never cold <laughs> <laughs> that wear shorts in winter, like in minus four, just sort of bowling around. I'm like in layers. It's horrible.
0: <laughs> but it is it's like you, you would die if I set you in the in the woods now. You, you probably aren't going to live very long. Sorry, but to me, so I'll probably live a bit longer. I've got the energy to go out and hunt some wild balls and things.
1: I definitely do. <laughs> I'm also too placid to live in that. If someone attacked me, I just be like, "Oh, come on, stop it." <laughs> Christ! I got another wild boar. <laughs> <feel> <laughs> um, yeah, I, no, I t- totally agree. That, you know, we're meant to have this. This is why. I mean, this is why the body shuts down, right? It's it's interesting when you get that lean, you lose your period, and, and, and you know, guys. Other things happen when you're hormonally compromised that stop sexual reproduction happening. Right? That is literally your body telling like you.
0: Tame, you're like the tamest person I've had on here. <laughs> I'm like, you know, my when I'm on <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I'm trying not to blush on camera. Um, <laughs> but 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 it's literally your body telling you it's a signal that that you're not healthy enough to reproduce. Yeah. So like what what like. There could not be a stronger signal right that your body you know you're, you're now no longer in your reproductive cycle because your body's saying I cannot have I cannot bring an offspring into this world because I'm not healthy enough to take care of it so it's like it that's not good but but then you know then again I there's another really nerdy side of me that when I sort of had put bodybuilding on the back burner I did a lot of research and thinking and time free time spent in looking and in, in like longevity and health stuff and there's huge there's huge benefits of going through periods of fasting and being lean and keeping your insulin sensitivity low so i know we always talk about lots of bad things that come from prep but i am i could probably put together a fairly strong case not right now because i don't have all of the the research material and the, the links and things to hand I could probably put together a compelling case as to the being some positives that come out of prep to be quite honest, maybe not at the very tail end when you're like literally shutting down, but but things, you know, like resetting, as we said, like the insulin sensitivity and activating sirtuins from periods of fasting and, and, and the struggle, like, you know, we, there's, certain, there's certain things that turn on the cellular level when you're going through periods of hardship, <laughs> which is quite strange. Um, I mean, not just sort of fasting, that sort of carries through quite a lot of things. Um, but yeah, so, so pros and cons. But, but I think prep in general is hugely taxing. And I think we always talk about the physiological side, i.e. what it takes on your body. And the, but, but but really the psychological stuff is still, and particularly post-show, it's still just not talked about enough. And
0: yeah, I do worry
1: because 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 competing is getting more and more popular, and yeah. it's getting more and more popular in females. I'm not saying that males are better than females, or, you know, but 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 I think you know there's there's different challenges, right? And some of the some of the consequences of you know like losing your period, I suspect, are, are probably not as easily reversible in females as they are in guys. No, so I,
0: I always say it's bodybuilding is probably going to be healthier in me- Um in men than in women and for a lot of different reasons so yeah like obviously your cycle and your periods and stuff is going to be one of them um and, and this is kind of why I actually started this podcast was because I see more and more women get into it and there's a lot of things that I mean I wanted a podcast as well that was kind of quite funny and we can talk about things in laugh and joke along the way um but also that we're talking about these things that aren't spoken about because people don't people are like oh my god periods we can't talk about that I'm like well we can we can talk about it um and we can talk about like drug use and stuff in females as well it's always going to be more risky than as a man mm. so you're always going to have that risk of virilization which is another like, completely different topic but that's kind of the the kind of things you've got to think about as a female which i guess as a man i mean as a man are you really worried about too much virilization <laughs> no probably not <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not. And look, look I, 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 that's not my field of expertise, you know, sort of PD, yeah. Similar, yeah. but it is, it is, it is something, and, and this is why I love, you know, you're doing what you're doing, right? Because these topics are just not talked about as openly enough, and I see, you know, I just see snippets of things that you hear on Instagram, and about people on, particularly like bikini athletes and things, and you're thinking, I mean, what you're taking... <laughs> you're taking like testosterone or testosterone derivatives you know at, the, at those doses right i mean you know there is still a fairly healthy amount of testosterone in women i think um ml for men there's, there's more testosterone than estrogen in a female's body i think that's correct as the facts today
0: And actually, yeah you me
1: to find but, um, right now i can tell you what mine are yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh but but taking that additionally exogenously and obviously having consequences that are irreversible like viralization, I just don't think it's a risk that is fully understood and coming back coming back to what we just said about addiction and being laser focused the 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 other thing about prep is when you're so laser focused on that goal of competing and looking your best you make irrational decisions um, because you'll do you'll do anything in the moment look good and it's the same you know it's like, like the addiction thing right it's the same as a drug addict that will do anything for the next dose I mean to, to draw a parallel right it's a horrible parallel to draw but it's it's similar in, in the sense that your kind of logical and normal rational thinking goes out the window
0: are you about to call me a cracker
1: here <laughs> but I think all of these decisions should be made not in prep and you know with with consultations with people that know what they're talking about and can explain and articulate the, the risks associated with them, etc. It's the same with a prep, right? If somebody says to their coach, "I want to do a prep," they should they should sit down and have a chat with the coach. And the coach, if, they, you know, if, if this person's not done it before, should say, "This is what you should expect, right? These are the risks. These are the this is the position that you need to be in to start, i.e., emotionally, financially, <laughs> you know, relationship stable, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, because these are all going to be challenged yeah
0: absolutely and there's a lot that people don't tell you about the financial is another big one like mm. i mean would you as an investment uh, <laughs> title an investment banker or something <laughs>
1: we'll would you take
0: someone oh yeah i think you should invest all your money in a bodybuilding check i think that'd be a great idea for you <laughs>
1: Well, if, if you've got the disposable income and, it, and it's arguably a hobby, right, you do what you want with that. If, it's, if you're not spending that money on going out and drinking, I mean, look, I can put away 200, 300 plus on a night out. Don't get me wrong. So like, I can't, I but can't call it on just this stuff. Minute, Will,
0: about, cause we've, we've talked a lot about things, but we've not talked about Will as a person. Will, as a person, has been to more stag dues than anyone else I've ever met in my entire life.
1: <laughs> That's and, not I true. I not
0: understand how he knows this. <laughs> I don't even know that many people to go, if everyone I knew right now was going to get married, that I still wouldn't have been to as many sexies as you have.
1: <laughs> I just have, well, my friend, my friend, I've got a couple of different friendship groups, obviously. I've got mates from home, mates from uni, mates from work, mates from bodybuilding, uh, and, and, and they're all the same age, but, and that age is everyone getting married and, and having staggered things. but I haven't been on that
0: many. This weekend, why aren't you doing finals?
1: <laughs> I'm at a wedding, <laughs> <laughs> and the guy and the guy I actually missed the guy stagde because that was the Northampton competition. I didn't miss it for the competition. I would have absolutely taken the stagdeer over the competition. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love matty he's a great friend of mine, and it, that was the one in um in what we call it in Munich for the uh beer like Oktoberfest. but i I couldn't commit to it. I couldn't commit to it ages ago from work, so I was already not going, but it's quite nice. When I was watching them all, they all put the gay tent by accident in Oktoberfest, and like 30 of them all rocked up, and <laughs> um, that would have been quite a laugh. But uh, I was happy to be competing and not drinking. I, like I think he told me, he drank about 58 pints in three days or something. So I was like quite quite happy. I didn't do that damage to my liver.
0: Yeah. See, for me, drinking is actually more cost effective than bodybuilding because I went out the other day. I had two single Jack Daniels and cokes. With a meal, with a substantial meal and New Oh yeah, I was really drunk.
1: <laughs> no tip <way. Yeah. laughs>
0: And right. you know those jugs in Weather they do like the cocktail mm. jugs. I drank about half my glass of that and I was I, I can't drink anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I honestly, I'd have saved myself so much money over the years if I was that much of a lightweight. I mean, I am a little bit now because I don't drink so often. So I'll have a couple and I'll get a little bit spicy quite early on. But then I've just hit a wall where I can just drink. I can, it, it takes me so much to get turbo-fucked, it's like... And, yeah, I'll, I'll be quite tipsy off a few, but then I need, like, yeah, a lot, it's expensive.
0: No, um, I have to be really, really careful because I just I can't drink so my mates, like play. we went to festival and they were playing drinking games before we went down into the festival and I was like, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to drink water in these drinking games because otherwise I will die and I won't make it out. And I was still drunk by the time we got to the festival, so it worked. Um, when was that? Uh, this was a couple of months ago, the second massive heat wave we had. It was like 40 degrees and we were at a festival.
1: I um yeah you do you do get better at drinking as in you, oh, you start up you start upregulating regulating so the more you drink this is why alcoholics can drink like a lot more and and the hair oh, the, the whole hair of the dog thing because I think it's aldehyde dehydrogenase ldh that that breaks down, helps breaking down um, alcohol in your liver mm. you start up regulating that enzyme so you basically get better and more efficient at uh, you know turnover of the of the booze
0: <laughs> so
1: when you don't have that and <laughs> like us at the moment you do get drunk quicker but I suspect there's a lot more to it than that but <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I used to drink a lot when I was like probably between the ages of, like 16 and 19 and now I'm a bit older and I can't drink so it's what it is um so let's kind of keep going down that rabbit hole of bodybuilding and addiction because I know quite a lot of bodybuilders that have been bit- previously been addicts of some type whether that's been like cocaine alcohol other sort of party drugs mm. um and also actually um I think that's more men and then I find women a lot of the time are like um had eating disorders and stuff in the past which I'm guessing you're going to tell me is like the same you might tell me it's completely different
1: um but- <laughs> Look, uh, th- 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 this this is a hugely complex topic right and i am about to step massively out of my wheelhouse e- e- even with the hundreds of hours i've spent on this because as you know there's 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 stuff that we know that happens from a neurochemical perspective that that probably influences some of this stuff and i'll take your example of the guys that have had previous addictions that we said that's the guys and girls rather that have had previous addictions it's probably something to say in that whereby these people have got quite addictive personalities, which would to me would signal that there's something in the body that is very dopaminergic driven. I.e. they are chasing or, or some, something to do with the way that the neuro, their dopamine neurotransmitter balances or their tonic and their phasic levels of dopamine. That means they're very good at chasing their, the upregulation or the uplifts in phasic dopamine um which probably makes because lots of these things that elevate that neurotransmitter right a substitutes substitute one another <laughs> it's like as i said earlier it's the same reward pathway so you can replace gambling with drugs with bodybuilding with sex with all these things people get addicted to it's the same so that when people get addicted to anything right it's the same pathway so that's one thing right but then there's another bit the murky world to me is the psychological aspect and things like eating disorders as well you know that that, that, that's something to do with personality traits and all this stuff that I again I mean that I I'll be open I've I've had Say eating disorders but, but probably have I mean borderline restrictive and binging episodes and body dysmorphia I mean I've still got bigger axia now right I mean <laughs> I, I think in my head that I'm small <laughs> because particularly when I'm you know I've prepped and I'm sort of sucked in and I've got my crackhead face or whatever my mum called me when I'm dieting yeah. <laughs> and my clothes don't fit I'm like oh gosh I must be small but then I'm like still triple x you know 3xl or whatever and you forget it and it's just I think a lot of us in this industry have it and that's probably what makes us good at it in the first place and makes us pursue that as a I think it's yeah one of those things where with bodybuilding particularly <laughs> it's probably the people that people end up there are the people that have got those a addictive personalities and b they sort of body image <laughs> issues in the first place that means it's the sport for us <laughs> um but uh yeah gosh it is i i just i just hope that i know there's been there's, there's, there are sort of concerted efforts from time to time of people talking about the mental health aspect but this doesn't seem to be a huge push and i think the problem is that and i see this myself is that some of the behaviors that that you know, we shouldn't, we don't want to be talking about as bad and things like when we push stuff that, that damages our health, that we know is a product of some of these things of us being focused and driven to, we don't like talking about it, particularly when we're in it, because we're so focused on the goal. Like if you told me when I'm, you know, two or three days out, this is really going to damage your kidneys, or your liver, or whatever it is, I'm like, I don't want to hear it <laughs> because I'm, um, you know, you don't to be taken out of it. And it's a bit like the prep thing, right? People get so, you know, obsessed with the prep and driven towards it but if you're like you're going to really suffer with mental health stuff afterwards they're not they don't give you time a day they don't want to you know they don't talk about it and so we need to make sure that the right support mechanisms are there for people and people can have that's why I put the post about they're in control the day because I'm like it's really rare for me right
0: other people go through it as well because what I found is when it happened to me I just thought fuck I must be awful like I don't I don't deserve like to have have done well in my shows because I can't control my foods, um, and I thought no one else says this, this is just me, and this is something I should be embarrassed about because no one else does this. But actually, people do do it, and the more I seem to talk to people, and the more I've got clients and posing girls and stuff, and other people that just come to me for advice, the more I realise that it's more likely than not that people have done it, but they just won't talk about it because they they feel this like shame around it and I know it happened to my sister and we kind of talk about in the episode I did with her and she said to me but I felt really bad and that you'd never done it and I said yeah I said I never spoke about it but I did because I was so embarrassed at that time I couldn't talk about it but now I can now I'm like yeah I ate fucking all sorts of shit I had my hands in a teller jar
1: like literally licking from your fingers
0: (laughs) well see if you get a finger in there right you can get right around the glass if you've got a knife
1: Was it you that I was telling you about? I can't remember who I was saying it to the today. I don't know why it just popped into my head, but <laughs> most embarrassing thing. I this is in years where I'm not proud of. We 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 stayed in Airbnb um, when we went to the Euros in Lille, the football Euros in in um it was Lille, yeah, like seven years ago. And this poor lady let us in. This poor student let us in, stay in her apartment, and we did. We, we didn't leave it in a great state. We tried to clean up as best possible, but, you know, we had quite a lot of beers over many days. And I'd, I'd come back after one night out and eaten a protein brownie, chocolate, but fallen asleep on it. And <laughs> I just picked up and put it in the bin. There was a massive brown spot. <laughs> and she's like, she was, she's like, declaring the deposit back. And she's like, and one of your friends had shit the bed. <laughs> in, a, in, a fr- in French, it was, like, something mierda. I was just like... That was me, but it was brownie. <laughs> I don't know for some reason when you, you just sort of, that picture of you eating Nutella like having shit on your hands. <laughs> I um, was
0: I was eating Nutella, not shit.
1: No, I know. I just <laughs> if someone sugar, me, it was I not, thought, like I brown the
0: sugar, I didn't need shit.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, but people should people should talk about it. And, and there's other stuff. There's worse stuff, right? That people aren't open. About. I saw, you know, just just you know, I just think. People,
0: yeah, go on. Talk
1: I, think, I think there's a duty of care for, for coaches to educate on this stuff as well. Yeah, there is. Um, because like, don't get me started on, on, on coaches because I see a lot of stuff and like I can't comment. I'm not a coach, right? I, I don't, you know, I'll help a couple of people but from time to time.
0: It doesn't take a genius to work out what some of these coaches is doing is extremely dangerous and wrong,
1: but, but that, but as but absolutely one wholeheartedly agree not only that that what they're doing is wrong secondly they can't even tell you you particularly when they're prescribing things like diuretics drug whatever they they, they don't even understand the fundamental mechanisms of actions of these things right that's number two but three they don't like a lot of them don't really care and like you see that with stories you know because i'm i'm obviously the you know, friendly with all of the the physique guys who are brilliant coaches and really care. And like you just hear battles. you just hear clients have come to them and been like, this is my old coach and you know, this, that and the other. And it's just like they've, they've you know sent them the plan back or whatever with all of these you know, horrible drugs and prep stuff and it's just like they've yeah. got the wrong name on it. They've copied and pasted and just like, oh my God, like you know, where is the where is that where is that element of you know care and yeah, anyway.
0: Unfortunately, with some people, there just isn't. And it is just about making money for them and all of that. And they don't care about you. And all they care about is trophies. Because you see it with people. You see it. I see them post. And I see, obviously, I'm at a lot of shows. And I see certain clients from certain coaches. And I see their coaches' Instagram the next day. And they might have had show clients at FedEx, clients at Tuberos, clients at somewhere else. And they've only posted those that have won. And that really fucks me off. Like you've only posted, you know, your girls and boys that have won, but I know you've had other people on stage and you've not posted like, oh well done to you because they've not brought you home a trophy. And that really pisses me off.
1: That's a shame. I have never i have never heard of that. Like I've heard a lot of bad things, but that that is particularly <laughs> um yeah, just not 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 nice, is it really? But
0: yeah. Oh wow. Well. Yeah.
1: But here you are, Molly. Now you are entering the well, you've entering you have already entered the world of coaching yeah um how are you finding it
0: i really enjoy it to be fair you're great
1: you're great with people you you obviously care immensely about people that you work with you've got you've got the time and energy to to invest in it you know you're not floating around in dubai training three or four pros that take up 24 hours a day and and outsourcing the rest of your clients to some random person in slough
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> clients. Uh, i don't live in dubai um the only other one that takes up my time is the dog um can't see him now because the screen's too good.
1: hang on here we yeah. are nice to meet alba
0: um but yeah no i really enjoy it to be fair really enjoy it so it's going good um i have got a few other questions for you quick ones that people have sent not many people, because um, you didn't send me a picture very soon, did you? And you sent me horrendous pictures that didn't work. I can't go into that. Did you put something up? No, I just asked a few people to ask questions. Where the hell is it, though? right, uh, well, we've answered all those anyway. Um, who'd you take dinner, dead or alive? You can take three people. Who I take?
1: you take take three
0: people dead or alive
1: for dinner oh gosh that's really difficult I would take first of all I would take my nan Esme because she was like a surrogate mother to me we my grandparents moved into my parents house to help look after us because they weren't very well off and um yeah, and she looked after me great. My mum was a teacher, so she was kind of like out a lot. My mum, yeah, my dad looked after me. So she's number one. <clears throat> um I think <laughs> I'd probably take some like someone like Albert Einstein that's just, you know, had that was just <laughs> somebody really nerdy that I could just ask lots of questions and yeah, theoreticise with. Uh, gosh, I don't know number three. How rubbish is that? Um, I say I would like to say an idol but do you know what? I'd actually like to go for dinner with Andrew Huberman he's he's a neuro um, <laughs> he's a, a Stanford professor he does the Huberman Lab podcast Stanford professor at, um, tenured professor he's a professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology <laughs> that shows you how much I've listened to his podcast because I can recite regurgitate his elevator pitch but he's he, he's awesome he's one of the sort of quite prolific podcasters at the moment and he's puts out lots of great content particularly on he, he tries to foray into the world of fitness I'm not sure he gets all that particularly correct but the stuff that he puts out that he's his wheelhouse around neurochemistry is all great and it's elucidated me into a lot of the topics that we discussed today so maybe him they're a bit rubbish I hadn't thought of those but um I think somebody that you look up to somebody that you miss and somebody that you um you know want to you know talk to through history I also think it'd be great to like go for someone like Hitler you know someone like that's just such a horrific character from history just to ask that, you know,
0: what the fuck were you thinking man
1: <laughs> yeah exactly I've always, when I hear those questions I'm always like somebody that's just a total savage from history like just just that will have you know what you know and just actually talk to them about like what on earth <laughs> <laughs>
0: what, <that> what,
1: <laughs> what the bloody hell are you up to <laughs> um yeah. but yeah
0: I think to be fair, I think Hitler would be really interesting.
1: Warren Buffett is the guy I should have said, the Oracle of Omaha. He's a very famous um, fund manager. Who's uh, yeah, he he's probably one of the people I'd like to talk to. He's yeah, very well known for investment strategies and value investing and all that stuff. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably quite nerdy as well.
0: Very nerdy. I think yeah, <laughs> Your name was nice.
1: <laughs> yeah i lost you Esme. Yeah, it? <laughs> <even that
0: one. laughs> it could be interesting um, what's the biggest red flag in modern training
1: biggest red flag in modern training yeah Ooh, very good question um so i think the biggest red flag well there's two, it's two so the biggest red flag is not training properly i think that that people yeah. don't actually train well to, to failure anywhere close to failure I don't do enough i see it in my gym my gym i train like this for so many years as well <laughs> didn't make any pr-
0: gym am i right in thinking this in what? do you train in like a pure gym or something
1: i did I, I luckily i moved to the gym joint near me which is perfect it's like you know it's got a very good kit and the guy aaron he runs it. it's a legend um, but for, I did my first competition in pure gym, and all throughout living in central London for like the past 10 years, I was in pure gym, saw it all in there. But even in my gym at the moment, you see it, it's like people just, and I did it, it's just like I'll go in and do chest. and do like. Seven exercises and just not get any stimulus out of any of it. Just be mm-hmm. in there doing it because it pumped me up and like just doing really stupid stuff with no range of motion and you know here there and everywhere. Just do two sets on that, three on that. Never track anything. Never progressively overload. So actually training properly is, is number one. And I think if you could actually just go in there and take all of that out, strip all that junk volume out, to give them one or two really stimulus invoking sets to make a huge difference. Second one, which I'm also guilty of, and they only ask the one, is overtraining. <laughs> Because I did this again, I, did, I and I still do it now. Now I'm, I'm sort of not coached um, formally, is, is just doing too much because I just love being in there and love the training. And I always do too much volume. And I know it's, you know, and don't take enough rest. But, but particularly if you're in off-season, you're growing, and you want to add tissue. Prioritising the recovery and rest is so key to growing and not just being in there six days a week and <laughs> battering yourself senseless. Because your central nervous system doesn't recover, which is, yeah.
0: Bodybuilding is about, isn't just about lifting those weights. It's about you need that aesthetic, X-frame look. That's I know. you are like, stronger than you? Okay. <laughs> That's fine. It's
1: hard, tall, it's hard for tall guys. Bodybuilding is not a sport for tall people. If you're tall and you're up don't do it.
0: I'm average, so I'll just be an average bodybuilder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're a very good bodybuilder.
0: Well, don't train anymore.
1: Well, when you put your mind to it, you've got it. You know you've got it there, ready to go.
0: better. I'll be training again. I might <laughs> be, like, really want to be trained again, but I'll just make you'll it be, faster now.
1: You'll be on the stage next year. I know you will be.
0: I don't know. Because I'm not in the gym at the moment. I feel all I'm doing is losing muscle. I haven't trained properly since May say I'm not in the gym I go every now and again when I'm having a good day um but I know I'm losing muscle like I'm not like stupid I know what's going on and I know I'm definitely not putting any muscle on um so depending on when I'll get back training properly again will then depend on like I'd like to do end of next year but if I don't look I would rather go on stage and lose and look better than I did in 2021 than look exactly the same and when
1: really yeah that's interesting. That's yeah. a good mentality to have because it means you're doing it for the right reasons.
0: Yeah, so if I, if I go on, if I get to the end of like, well, I say get to the end of next year, like I have to obviously prep for it first. Um, But if I start next year and I'm kind of training and stuff again, then hopefully it should come back pretty quickly. And I think I'd have had like a better physique this year had prep had continued. Um. So yeah, if that muscle comes back quick with a little bit more, it will be fine.
1: It will. There's a lot, there's a lot of science behind muscle memory and my nucleus of the cell not, not really going and that helping you know you to get the muscle memory back and also growing your tissue so it comes up very quickly. Um, and <clears throat> you put your mind to it,
0: yeah, we'll see. Um, if not, just go again the year after, it's fine.
1: You've also probably lost, you've probably, uh, lost a, a lot less than you think. There's a, there's, a, there's a huge psychological component to it, like you always think that you're smaller, and <laughs> but really, if you're still training. The amount of volume that you need to maintain is so much lower than you think. The fact that you're just going even once, twice a week, you'll probably be able to maintain quite easily on that. Yeah,
0: uh, would be all right. Um, second to last question: What's it like being tall and lush?
1: Tall and lush.
0: Yeah, you get vertigo. Uh,
1: yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's oh,
0: Christ. It's, it's, I'm too
1: tall. I reckon anything more than three is a waste because I'm pushing, I'm pushing the bit, I'm pushing the too tall where my, my bloody femurs are too long so I can't grow legs. I can't sit in plain seats very comfortably. Life's just a bit harder. Like imagine like when you, imagine squatting how much further down you've got to go. <laughs> You're bench pressing how much further, just life's just not easy.
0: Because <laughs> um, Some machines in gyms I'm too short for. So like some leg presses for example I can't push the leg press off the thingies that hold it on because my legs don't fit.
1: I have to say I'm I'm too tall for some of this stuff right so they're just right and it seems like neither of us are just right (laughs) but other than that it's good it's good if you get lost in a crowd people can find you. Um, Generally I think you're more amenable to relationships because I think quite a lot of females wouldn't want to be or don't typically want to be with guys that are smaller than them so there's some benefits and I think lots of guys want to be bigger in terms of height and it's not something they can change which is unfortunate so I'm, I'm quite lucky that I've got something genetically which is favourable to some degree although yeah I, I think as I said 6'2 six, 6'3 six, I think it's probably where you want to be
0: that's the ideal height you have had it here first everyone if you're 6'2 six, 6'3 six, ideal probably going to be a pro uh, probably gonna get all the girls. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and what is your one thing you'd like everyone t- to take away from today's podcast?
1: I think it is that um, if you are competing or you have competed and you're struggling with mental health issues, or you're going to compete and you don't haven't put any thought to what your mental state is going to be. And you coach, you're working with a coach and they're not articulating this to you or they're not talking you through this. Go and seek help, go and seek guidance, go and speak to Molly, <laughs> get, get get a consultation in or change your coach <laughs> or go and speak to, to anybody. I mean, the one thing about this whole bodybuilding community. That's it, the one thing. About- it.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you know her, Clara Sweden, she's been on one of my podcasts before. Like she was on one of the first ones. She's She bodybuilds, I say she bodybuilds, she's actually got married yesterday. So she's not bodybuilding right now. Um, but she's also a psychologist, so she's really good to get in contact with if you just need, like, a little chat to someone and you're struggling.
1: Yeah. and everyone in this community is so open and nice and friendly. Like, just reach out. People will speak. It's just taking that step to reach out in the first place.
0: Yeah, exactly. Anything else you'd like to add?
1: Um, nothing. Just a plug to my sponsor load up subs. Oh, Comed
0: yeah. Of- well, then. What's your code?
1: W beta I am the best sponsored athlete ever. He says, laughing. I'm I'm not too bad. I do I do a bit more than some.
0: All your stories ever are is like, oh yeah, this is uh, my protein today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's because I don't like putting my own content up because I'm very self conscious.
0: <laughs> so I just put up. has been an app. The mic,
1: Molly. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for brightening okay, up for- my Tuesday evening.
0: For coming on and talking to us about chemicals in the brain, because that's something that I do. <laughs>
1: the old chemicals in the brain, they don't go away.
0: <laughs> They're not. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And please share on your stories if you enjoyed it, tag us in it, um, and yeah, spread the word. Thank you for listening. Bye.